So, um, again, welcome. Uh, Happy New Year. We made it to a brand new year, uh, which is pretty exciting. Uh, you did it. Um, and so we are off to a, a, a big start, and so we're really excited about that. Uh, before we move any further in the service, I just want to say, if you are a volunteer, if you are someone that gives of your time weekly, monthly, whatever, uh, or specifically if you gave up some time on Christmas Eve or New Year's Eve to serve here at the church, I just want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart. Um, what you do matters, and uh, we are so grateful for you. We, it, 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 it's just, I'm just thankful. And so thank you for serving. Thank you for doing what you do. No matter how big or how small uh, your role is or your role, your role was, uh, it's because of you that lives are being changed. And so I just want to say that. So thank you. Um, thank you for all of those that served over the last year, uh, specifically the last couple of weeks. Uh, also, I, I don't want it to um, ignore the elephant in the room. Um, things are going to look a little bit different potentially moving forward. Um, the average speaking height has dropped from this stage. Um, and so that's, we have that to look forward to. Um, but we're still going to move forward. This is still God's church. This is still the bride of Christ. And, and we still have the vision that God has set out before us. We are still about um, making, making people experience life in Jesus and setting up, setting up opportunities for that. And that's what we're about. And that will not change. No matter who's standing on this stage speaking, we are still about that. We are still about um, pointing people towards Jesus. And so um, as a staff and as an SLT, like we're still here and we still have this vision and we are still moving forward. Um, we just may have shorter speakers. And so it is what it is, but uh, that, that's what you get uh, today. Um, so we are also uh, beginning a brand new series today uh, about or going through the book of Nehemiah. I'm really excited about this because I love the book of Nehemiah. And so I'm, I'm, I'm pretty pumped about where we're going here in the next couple of weeks. Uh, but the book of Nehemiah is, is, is it's, it's the last of the historical books in the Old Testament, um, talking about, um, the Israelites' third return back to Jerusalem. And so that's kind of where we are. And this whole book recaps the rebuilding of the wall of Jerusalem and what it took to make that happen. But before we jump in, before we go any further into this story, I just want to make sure that we, we establish right now how we are supposed to look and how we are not supposed to look at the people in the Bible, the characters in the Bible. So often we see the stories and we read the stories of the people in the Bible as, as, as something that, like, they're extraordinary. Like, these people, what they do, like, I'll, I'll never be able to amount to that. I can never have that type of faith. I can never do those types of things. And, and what happens when we do that, what happens when we read the stories is that we diminish the role that God can play in our lives. We diminish, we diminish what God is trying to do in and through us. It's, it's a, similar to how we would look at like Michael Jordan or Steve Jobs or um, uh, Mozart. Like, like Michael Jordan, the best basketball player to ever have lived. Like he has a game that's going to transcend time in hundreds of years. When we talk about basketball, we're still going to be talking about Michael Jordan. Um, or like Steve Jobs, he was the first um, CEO or whatever you want to call it of Apple computers. And this man made computers cool. Um, and he also created a little phone, a very specific phone that we all have to have. And then he changes one very specific minor detail of this phone and then makes us go buy it all, all, all over again. Like, like I have a 12 megapixel camera and he just made one that's 12.1 and now I got to have this. And, and I, I, 
I, I just do. And I can't even be upset with the man because I just bought one. Um, but he does this, or he doesn't any longer, but Apple does this. Or Mozart. Mozart, one of the greatest composers of all time. Maybe not a great illustration for today, but you get, you get what I'm saying, you get where we're going. Um, but what we do is we approach men and women of the Bible like that. We approach them and their stories like that, like they are something not like us. They're not ordinary. They're not regular. And when we do that, the scriptures become a burden to us. Because we will never be at that place where we can say that we are holier than thou, where we are good enough, or we are um, godly enough. But God extraordinarily works through ordinary men and women. God extraordinarily works through ordinary men and women. And that is a fascinating truth to me. That is a fascinating truth. Like, sure, we have different skill sets or different abilities, or maybe you're good at this, but I'm good at this. Like, yeah, God has designed us different, but he, he's going to use us to do extraordinary things. And my hope and my prayer for River Club is that we are known as a, as a group of ordinary people who are doing extraordinary things for God. There's this quote that I'm sure that some of you have heard before that it says, um, if your church closed its doors... Would anyone in the community notice? And would anyone care? And I pray to God that our answer is yes. That people would notice if River Club Church closed and people would notice and people would care because we are a group of ordinary people who are doing extraordinary things for God. And that's my hope for us. That's, what, that, that is, that's my prayer for us. So the title of this message, like, so we've been talking through uh, the, the, the series of Nehemiah for months now, and like far before Pastor Zach had any conversations whatsoever, like months and months and months, we've been planning this out. And um, the title of this message is, Things Aren't As They Should Be. How ironic, right? Yeah, things aren't as they should be right now. Sure, we've started 2018 a little bit different than we had anticipated. We started a little bit, like things are off to a little bit different of a start than we had hoped. But again, the one thing that will remain is that this is God's church. That, that will not change no matter what. And we are about being a place where people can experience life. And so as we move into this new series uh, on, on the book of Nehemiah, um, I am pumped, and I hope that, that, that you guys, and I'll take this moment also, if you are not receiving our daily Bible reading, like, I encourage you to do that through our flock note. Uh, we, will, we will read throughout the next month, we're going to read the entire book of Nehemiah together. And so that's going to be really neat, and so make sure you get signed up for that. But for right now, Nehemiah chapter 1, uh, chapter 1, verse 1, we're just going to start. Uh, these are the memoirs of Nehemiah, son of Hakaliah. All right, um, so I, I work with students primarily, um, and, then, and I love that. And one of the things that I tell them is that um, when you're reading, especially out of the Old Testament, there's all kinds of like crazy names. There's all just crazy words and places and people and all that stuff. And so when you're reading these words, you need to read it with confidence. And so it's Hakaliah. I have no idea if that's how it's pronounced. 
Um, if you know better than me, come and let me know. I would love to be enlightened a little bit. But for right now, I'm going to speak with confidence that it is Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah. In late autumn in the month of Kislev, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes' reign, I was at the fortress of Susa. Han and I, one of my brothers, came to visit with, with some other men who had just arrived from Judah. And I asked them about the Jews who had returned there from captivity and about how things were going in Jerusalem. And they said to me, things are not going well for those who return to the province of Judah. They're in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem has been torn down and the gates have been destroyed by fire. When I heard this, I sat down and wept. In fact, for days I mourned and fasted and prayed to the God of heaven. And then I said, O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of unfailing love with those who love him and obey his commands. Listen to my prayer. Look down and see me praying night and day for your people, Israel. I confess that we have sinned, that we have sinned against you. Yes, even my own family and I have sinned. We have sinned terribly by not obeying the commands, decrees, and regulations that you gave us through your servant Moses. Please remember what you told your servant Moses. If you are unfaithful to me, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands and live by them, excuse me, then even if you are exiled to the ends of the earth, I will bring you back to the place I have chosen for my name to be honored. The, power, or the people you rescued by your great power and strong hand are your servants. O oh Lord, please hear my prayer. Listen to the prayers of those of us who delight in honoring you. Please grant me success today by making the king favorable to me. Put it in his heart to be kind to me. In those days, I was the king's cupbearer. So Nehemiah had just heard some pretty terrible news. He, he, he had heard some news that, that the walls of Jerusalem, and they, they've been torn down, and the gates have been burned. And this is a picture of anarchy. This is a picture of anarchy in, in, in this day and age. In, in, in a city without, without walls, without a gate to keep the people secure, like they are just sitting ducks essentially. And this is, this is the picture that was just painted for Nehemiah. And he hears this. He's 800 miles away um, in the palace of the king of Persia. Now, I have to imagine, and I'm sure that you could probably Google this or something to figure out for sure, but I have to imagine that as cup bearer to the king of Persia in this time, that was a pretty sweet gig. Like you're, you're, you're tasting all the greatest foods, you're tasting all the best wines, and unless someone's trying to kill the king, it's pretty sweet. If someone's trying to kill the king, it changes rapidly. But up until that moment, it's a pretty sweet gig. Um... No, no, no. Nehemiah, he's sitting there and he doesn't know the people that are there in Jerusalem. He, he, he doesn't know these people, but he knows that this is his covenant community. It's not just his, eth his ethnicity. It is his covenant community. And so he hears of the news and the state of the wall and he is broken. And we see that he can't handle the weight of this. And so he sits and he weeps and fasts. And praise. And he sends up kind of this, like in verse 5, just this very quick, like, like a shotgun prayer up to God or whatever. And um, I have a son, Meyer. He's one year old, um, a little over a year old. And he is, he's sweet, he's sensitive, he's a feeler, he's a hundred percent boy. And like a hundred percent boy, like he loves um, 
trucks and wheels and trains and balls and wrestling and headbutting. We have a little dog that he'll get down on the ground like on his hands and knees right next to the dog and boop, just headbutt him. Like, where did you learn this, son? Like, but that's what he does. But he's, he's also sensitive. He's a feeler. And like, like he'll run up to Lara and I and he'll put his face right in our lap and grab us around the arms and just sit there and hold us for a moment, look up and smile and run away. And it's almost like he's coming up to us saying, saying, hey, I love you. I'm still here. Don't forget about me. I love you. And he runs away. And it's, it's, then he goes and headbutts the dog. But it's so, it's so sweet. But that's who he is. And that's kind of like Nehemiah's prayer. It, it, it's kind of like Nehemiah saying, all right, God, I've just heard this news and I'm broken and I don't know what else to do, but I just need to talk to you about this. And I, I'm about to go talk to the king. And so I need, I, I need you to grant me success for right now. But God, I am broken and I just need some help. And then as we start in chapter two, he says, uh, early the following spring, Early the following spring. And so some history in, in, in the Hebrew calendar, the month of Kislev was somewhere around the end of November, beginning of December. And so that's somewhere in there. And then it says early the next spring, early the next spring, I was serving the king his wine. I had never before appeared sad in his presence. So this a few months have passed. There has been some time in between the moment that he heard the news and now this moment. And so some time has gone on. And so my question now is, when is the last time that something that you heard or that you saw, when did it just sit and eat at you and eat at you and eat at you for months? Like Nehemiah, he hears this news and he's broken by it. And instead of being broken and then in the next moment walking past it, walking through it, ignoring it, going on about his day, he's broken. He's 800 miles away. This doesn't really necessarily affect him. But he's broken and overwhelmed by the news that's going on that he just heard. And so months have passed. Nehemiah sees something that isn't as it should be. And instead of going on, he does something about it. And as we read on, we, we, we see that, that Nehemiah, like he approaches the king and he, this is a huge deal for Nehemiah to approach the king, not to be summoned by the king, but to approach the king. This puts his life in jeopardy, but he approaches the king and he goes to talk to the king and says, can I go down to Jerusalem to inspect these walls? Can I go take a look at what's happening? And so he puts his life in jeopardy. And he goes. Because things were not as they should be. Uh, there's a book called Kisses from Katie. I don't know if any of you have heard of it or not. But um, there's a quote in this book that says, The place that God calls us to is the place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. The place God calls us to is the place where our deep gladness, the thing that makes us so happy in the world's deep hunger meet. Maybe you love soccer, okay? Maybe you're a big soccer player. Um, and then that's what brings you crazy amounts of joy. There's a, an organization called World Vision where you can buy a soccer ball for a kid in a developing country and send it to him. And so by... 
by your deep gladness of soccer, you can meet a very practical need for a little kid who maybe just needs to know that he matters. Maybe just needs to know that someone is looking out for him. And so your deep gladness of soccer just changed everything for a little kid in a developing country. She goes on in the, in, in the book and she says, The truth is that the 143 million orphaned children and the 11 million who starve to death or die from preventable diseases and the 8.5 million who work as child slaves, prostitutes, or under other horrific conditions and the 2.3 million who live with HIV add up to 164.8 million needy children. And though at first, at first glance, that looks like a big number, 2.1 billion people on this earth proclaim to be Christians. The truth is that if only 8%, 8% of the Christians would care for one more child, there would not be any statistics left. If only 8% of the people that claim the name of Jesus, there would be no more statistics left. If just for a moment you were to look around and you were to see the brokenness around you, maybe it's not massive brokenness like HIV or child slavery. Maybe it's nothing that big. But if you were to, to, to realize that there are kids at Thornburg Middle School that are not going to have dinner tonight, you could do something about that. If you realize that there are kids at Cedar Forest Elementary School that are not going to have dinner tonight, you can do something about that. Or maybe your next door neighbor is going through a terrible season, like their, their, their family is falling apart and they just don't know what to do. Like You can do something about that. If we, if, if we just looked around, if the people that claim the name of Jesus looked and saw the brokenness and the pain and the hurt and that things just aren't as they should be, we could change communities. And there would be no more statistics. I mean, think about it. How, how crazy is that? Just think about that for just a moment. Or even if we looked at the brokenness inside of us. If we looked at the brokenness that is happening deep inside of us. Maybe we have scars from a long time ago. Maybe we've been burned by the church. Maybe we've been burned by family members and we have people in our lives that we don't talk to anymore. Um, maybe, maybe we've recently lost a job. Maybe you've recently lost someone that you care deeply about. But whatever the brokenness is that, 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 that's around you, that's inside of you, maybe it's in your family, there is an answer to that brokenness and his name is Jesus. And so when we, when we see what's happening around us and we see that things aren't as they should be, we realize that, that God has specifically placed us in those moments. That God has placed us there to, to speak life and hope and truth and love into those circumstances. And we can do that through Jesus. But this type of movement, the type of movement that, that um, spurred Nehemiah to change, like this type of movement, it doesn't come from just hearing a good message from time to time. It doesn't come from reading a good book. It doesn't come from, from um, listening to a, an, an awesome record or uh, having an intentional conversation with someone. Like that's not what's going to create the long-lasting movement that, 
that moved Nehemiah. It's from having a daily conversation being daily ingrained in, 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 in God's word and, and letting, letting God move through you. It doesn't just happen because those things fade. It's from being intentional and chasing after Jesus. In 1 Thessalonians 5.17, it says, pray continually. Pray continually. Do you understand the difference between continually and continuously? Um, continually, like... Blood will continually flow through my veins. It's, it, there's nothing I can do about it. Like, it's, just, it's just doing that. Blood will continually flow through my veins. For the rest of my life, I will continuously eat. Do you see that difference? Pray continually means this is an attitude that happens as often as you breathe. This is something that just goes through you. And so he is saying to pray continually. This is an an act of worship. It's always, it's the way that you talk to your neighbor. It's the way that you talk to your spouse. It's the way that you talk to your children. It's the way that you work. It's the way that you behave. Like this is your prayer. Your life is now a prayer. Pray continually. And Nehemiah understood that. He knew that at any moment, after he hears about the wall, he could sit down and he could weep and he could pray because it's just a constant conversation that he's having with God. And so in order for us to really be moved, truly moved by something, we have to be in communion with God. And when we truly mourn the brokenness in and around us, we are more likely to be moved to do something about it. When we enter into the brokenness, it is there that we will see the great love of our great father. I heard a quote a long time ago from a pastor and a missionary named Bob Pierce. And he says, let my heart be broken by the things that break the heart of God. Let my heart be broken by the things that break the heart of God. And how, how do I know, like, what breaks the heart of God? Like, I see this, and, and I know that this isn't right, and that hurts my heart. And I see this, and I know that this isn't right, but how do I know that that really breaks the heart of God? Well, I imagine if it's breaking your heart, then God has placed that inside of you for a reason. That God has placed that, that, that hurt inside of you because he believes that you are the one to do something about it. He believes that, that you have been equipped to go and breathe life into that moment, into that space. And so Nehemiah sat down and prayed and wept. And what came out of that was a plan. What came out of that was, all right, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to talk to the king and then I'm just going to go. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm not really a, a, a great skilled wall builder. Like, I just eat food for a living. Like, that's my job. Like, like I'm not really great at building walls but I'm just going to go because I, this breaks my heart and God is leading me towards this. And so he came up with the plan. But he also knew whose he was. At the end of chapter one, he says, I was just the cupbearer to the king. So he knew who he was, but he also knew whose he was. And I love the interaction that we find in Matthew chapter 16. Like Jesus is getting more and more famous and, and people are starting to, um, to, to start thinking like, okay, who really is this man? Like he's healing people. He's doing a lot of crazy things. And so like, who is this? And so they start making assumptions as to who Jesus was. And so Jesus comes up to his disciples and he says, um, who do, who do you say I am? And so let's read, um, 
We'll pick up in chapter, or chapter 16, verse 13. It says, When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? Well, they replied, Some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. Then he asked them, But who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus replied, You are blessed, Simon, son of John. Because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. In that, in that instant, in that, in that moment, J- Jesus looks at Peter in the eye and he says, Okay, this is who you are. You are Peter. But this is what I'm going to do through you. I'm going to build my church on this rock. Sure, Peter clearly was a bonehead and made all sorts of dumb decisions like the longer on in his life. Like if we just continue to read the book of Matthew, like we see this. Um, but God used him. And so God tells him in this moment, he, he, he's like, this is who you are and this is whose you are. And so Peter went on to do unbelievable things for the kingdom of God. But he was just an ordinary man that God used to do extraordinary things through. And so I ask you the same question today. Who are you? And what breaks your heart? Who are you and what breaks your heart? Is it, is it something that, 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 that's a big scale thing? Is it something like um, HIV in Africa? Or is it something like there's a family member that I love that is walking through a terrible time right now. They're struggling with addictions. Who are you and what breaks your heart? As we close out today, I want to I read a prayer from Paul in Ephesians. It says, When I think of all of this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. And then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, and how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and the power that comes from God. Now all the glory to God, who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. It wasn't because Nehemiah was holier than thou. It wasn't because he was this crazy, skilled preacher, pastor, missionary, whatever. He wasn't even a life group leader. But he made himself available. He, he, he realized that there was something that wasn't right. Things just aren't as they should be. And he was going to do something about it. So may we. May we be that. May we be a group of ordinary people who are going to do extraordinary things for God. 
May we be a, be a church that is about crazy impact in this community. And may we see the things that break the heart of God and let them break ours and go do something about it. You pray with me. Father God, we praise you for who you are. Praise you for what you're doing, for the way that you're leading and guiding and directing us. God, I pray that the things that, that aren't right, the big things, the little things, whatever it is, God, whatever is not right, I pray that we would notice and that we would go and do something about it. God, I pray that you would lead us that you would guide us and direct us to those conversations and to those places. And that we would go boldly because the answer to the brokenness in our lives is you. It's in your matchless name that we pray. Amen.